welcome to the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons that they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent in the same way. We should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 302 of the podcast. It's Jessica and I'm so glad you are here. How is life going for everybody? What a weird time we are living through right now and I hope that you're doing okay, you're hanging in there and that you're finding a new normal that is feeling a little more sustainable than it did in the first few weeks. You know what I mean? I think that's all we can really hope for. This is such abnormal times and trying times and challenging for a host of different reasons. I just think the more I've been able to let go of my expectations and just really look at each day for what it is and what's possible, the more I've been able to reach those new expectations and have a great day. So I'm not looking too far ahead, taking one day at a time, and overall, we in the Dalquist house are doing pretty good considering, and I hope you are too. Today, I have a fantastic guest for you. Oh man, is this a compelling story. Elizabeth Frazier is my guest. She is the founder of Hero Bands. Have you heard of Hero Bands? It is an incredible company that uses the power of words and story to inspire others. She is a victim of sex trafficking. And as somebody raised in a, quote her words, picture perfect family, you would not expect Elizabeth to be subject and victimized in this way. But she shares about that experience growing up, how she got out of it, how she came to reclaim her worth and go on to live a life that is happy and full and more joyful than she could have ever imagined. And then how she started this company, Hero Bands. So I'm so honored she's willing to share this story with us on the podcast today. Now let's get to my conversation with Elizabeth Frazier. All right, I'm so excited to be chatting with Elizabeth Frazier today. Hi, Elizabeth. Hey, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. How are you? Doing well. It's crazy times, but we're hanging in there. Yeah, we're recording this April 22nd, so we are, who even knows how many days into quarantine. I assume you have littles at home as well. I do. I have five, and the homeschooling okay. is a nightmare. Yeah, I think I'm getting a lot of Zoom alerts and remind reminders and everything. I can't imagine what that looks like for five kids. What's the age range of yep. your kids? My um, my youngest just turned three, and my oldest is 13. So we've got a middle school all the way to preschooler. And I think the trick is keeping track of my preschooler while trying to do homework with the other ones because he just likes to trash the place. Sure, absolutely. Or mine, like, steals my phone or something like that because it's like, while well, mom's yeah. occupied, what else can I do? I have a four-year-old and then two older ones. And, yeah, it's tricky. They're, he's kind of fallen through the cracks a little. I feel a little bad yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. It's tricky, but how is the, how's distance learning and everything going, especially since you run a business? It's It's been difficult. The first couple weeks, I started having just mental breakdowns. I just couldn't do it. I felt really stupid, honestly, because mm. some of the homework is hard for me, and I haven't, I struggled in school anyways, as it is, so to try to jump right in to where they have been learning has been really, really hard, but um, my husband is a great teacher and super patient so he has really jumped in and been a lot more hands-on which has probably saved my relationship with my children to some degree (laughs) totally i'm grateful for that yeah one of the funniest memes that i saw and the memes are just giving me life but it says 
you know, when all the kids go back to school, telling them what they did over summer vacation, and they all learn to carry the one. Like, (laughs) nobody knows this common core stuff. But uh, yeah, we're all doing the best we can. But I think it's really important. I saw a letter from a teacher that went around and they said, you know, by by mid-March, a lot of the learning and novel instruction has already been done. A lot of the end of the year is repetitive things, preparing for state testing, things like that. And so parents that are really freaked out of like, there's this whole three months of learning that's not going to happen. The end of the year doesn't quite look like the beginning or middle of the year. And so Mm -hmm. we can kind of stress a little less on those Hey everyone, wanted to jump in real quick and thank a show sponsor, and that is Cosmetology. You've heard me talk about Cosmetology before, but it was founded by Dr. Janice Covey, who was a mom who was frustrated when her younger daughter was diagnosed with eczema at three months old, and she couldn't find any products that worked. As her background was in pharmaceuticals, she decided to make her own line of products for children, and boy are they amazing. My favorite products of hers are the lotion bars and their hand soaps, As you know, we cannot get enough hand soaps right now as everyone's trying to keep clean. But the lotion bars are so unique because it's a solid moisturizer that contains effective organic moisturizing ingredients such as shea butter and olive oil, but it doesn't contain water. And so it doesn't need all those extra potentially hazardous preservatives and chemicals. And I love it because you can travel with it. It's TSA approved and you can hand it over to your child and they're not going to make a mess with it. So my little Jackson loves putting it on after his baths and he has struggled with eczema in the past as well and his skin is reacting great to it. So cosmetology has a great offer for our listeners. Just go to cosmetology.com and use code EEP at checkout. That's K-O-S-M-A-T-O-L-O-G-Y.com and use code EEP at checkout to get 15% off your first order. Thank you so much to Cosmetology for sponsoring the show. Now let's dive in to Elizabeth's story. Well, I am just so honored to be chatting with you. Your story is unbelievable and what you have created out of your past is really just such an inspiration. So for people that may not know you yet, Elizabeth, will you just give a little background on yourself and your family? Sure. I have lived in California for almost 12 years now. My husband and I have been married for almost 15 years this summer and we love it here. We feel like this is home. We feel like the people that we have gotten to know and gotten to meet feel like family and we're just so blessed to be here. We have five kids, four girls and a boy, and they keep us crazy busy and crazy happy and crazy, just Mm -hmm. kind of everything all wrapped into one, but we are just really blessed to be living here. So that's that's where we're at now. So a little bit of background, I was raised in a family that looked perfect and talking to people since kind of sharing my story, they've often said, you know, your family was one that I wanted to be a part of, of like, you looked that perfect. Behind the scenes, I was actually sold for sex for a number of years, almost 20 years by my family and told how special I was and told that nobody would understand. So you have to keep the secret or you're not going to have any friends and people are going to be mad at you and all this, all these things that as a child you believe because your parents are supposed to be honest with you. So I was living this double life for, for most all my growing up and most of my life um, until we moved to California. And that's when I kind of was able to completely cut the ties off. Oh, I don't even know where to start because the first thing that comes to mind is that 
I think it started at age four. Is that right? Is that what I read? Mm -hmm. That's my earliest memory. Yeah, yeah. earliest memory. <laughs> yeah, heaven forbid. Mm -hmm. Any earlier. But as you're growing up, I mean, I know at least for me, I didn't realize that any families did anything differently until like high school or even college when I had roommates and stuff. And I'm like, oh, it's not normal mm -hmm. to do X, Y, or Z, right? And these are, and I'm talking about very benign things, right? And right. so you grew up in a, in a quote unquote normal that was so far from fair or normal for you. I don't know. How did, how did you feel growing up? You said you felt loved, right? I, I did. I didn't, like you said, I didn't know any different. That's yeah. all I knew. And I was told that that's what love was and what love felt like. And so I did. I thought I was special and I thought I was so loved. And it wasn't until many years later that I even saw the damaging effects of it. I didn't understand how damaging it was to my soul even and my just my my aura, my spirit, whatever you believe or whatever you want to call it was so damaged. I didn't even know I didn't even know why because I didn't correlate the two, if that makes sense. Right. So when, how old were you when you did start to question or feel more like a victim? Well, I had, um, I had a friend that died in a car accident when I was ending my junior year. And that's when things started to unravel for me. And I did not know how to cope. And mm. I didn't realize I didn't know how to cope. Mm. I had been through already a lot of death and hard things even on the outside that you would think I knew how to cope, but having her pass away just rocked my world so much that I started cutting. I started isolating myself from anybody, any friends that I had. I didn't even ever have a lot of close friends. I had a lot of acquaintances, hmm. but I never got really close to people. And, and I think kind of the, the senior year of high school is when everything kind of started to really unfold. And my, my family kind of started to panic and started not allowing me to go and do things with people. And things like that. So they took control of my life even more so from that point until about a year after high school. And you know? we can edit this out if this isn't a part that you want to share, but was it your parents selling you? It was, yes. Do you have siblings? I do. I have seven brothers and a sister. Oh. I'm the youngest. Yeah. Big family. Oh man. Were any of them involved in this? Well, they have their own story, so I don't want to share their story, sure. but I will say that they, there have been, you know, three of them that have validated sure. my story yeah, and have said, yes, we know this happened. Yes, we, it, it's not my world against everybody else in the family. Sure. There's a good, there's a good amount of us that are saying this is not okay. And yes, this did happen. Right. Did you have to keep it though from... Like, was there any talk about it within your family during those years? Or was that even off the table? I don't remember talking about it at all with anybody of my, none of my siblings ever. Have you read the book Educated? I have not. <gasps> oh, I mean, it may hit too close to home. And so it may or may not be something, but it is a fascinating read about a, a girl growing up in a normal that was not normal. And, um, and getting out of that. And it, it is definitely a hero story, um, much like yours. So I found it very fascinating. It's very, very well written. Um, but wow, that that is a lot. And so as you started in high school, starting to kind of push against and, and demonstrate the negative effects of your whole upbringing in the form of, of cutting and self-harm and things, 
how did your parents respond then to that? Because that was really the first time that you pushed back or acted out, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't, they weren't aware that I was doing it partly because of home life. Wow. They figured I was doing it solely because of outside things. Hmm. And honestly, they would help me try to hide it from people because I had cut up and down my arms in the middle of summer. So I had to wear long sleeves. And I remember my mom helping me put, she'd like poke a hole in fish oil pills and help me put fish oil on them so that they wouldn't scar. So I think that was part of the crazy making growing up was that there were times I genuinely was cared for. Hmm. Not, I don't, I never feel like I was truly loved because how can you love somebody and do what they were doing? Right. But maybe maybe they were helping me so that I wasn't damaged for their clients. I don't know exactly the reason why they decided to, to help me with that, but I felt loved at certain times. And so it was this pull of, they're my parents. I love them and they love me. But this backward side of it, it's just a really confusing thing to even think about now, much less as a kid trying to figure it out. So Yeah, that is so complex. And I'm yeah. so sorry. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. It's okay. No. I, I have learned a lot of empathy because sure. of it. And I have learned the depth of anguish that one can feel. And you can't get that unless you go through awful things. And I've also learned how to love because of that, honestly, love others. My children, so I left when my son was one, left, left, because that was it. I wanted to protect him worth anything, worth all the threats that they had given me, worth my life, worth anything. I wanted to protect my son. And so luckily I had that motherly instinct to be able to do that for my kids because they were worth it to me. I wasn't for my parents for whatever reason, but they were worth it to me to break that chain. And it's just so heartbreaking to think you didn't view yourself as worth protecting for all those years, you know? And 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 really you just didn't even know where to begin because you weren't yeah. brought, raised to be equipped like we hope to equip our children. So so how did you learn to love and learn to recognize what love actually is? And maybe that's where your husband comes into play or tell me about that. Honestly, I'm it's a very recent thing that I've learned to even love myself. Hmm. Recent meaning the last year. Because, and even then it's still very rocky. Because you're told what your worth is your entire life. It's really hard to get those voices out of your head. Of the only way you're worth love is by X, Y, and Z. You know, I started learning what love felt like by my fifth grade teacher. Actually, she was the first place I ever felt loved for no reason. It was the first time unconditional love I felt. It was so foreign to me then. I didn't even know that that's what I was feeling, but I knew I wanted to be at school. I wanted to be with this teacher, Mrs. College, and I wanted, I just felt like she would protect me no matter what. And I didn't even know what I needed protection from at the time. And then, you know, I've had different people in my life that have shown me unconditional love and that was so foreign and like I said I have now learned that that's what it was because I didn't know what it was I feel that for others so easily it's the learning it for myself that is hard and I'm sure there's a lot of people in the world that have a hard time loving themselves for a variety of reasons not necessarily just what I went through but 
you know, I've talked to so many women and customers and people that have struggled with finding self-worth and it's, it's sad that so many of us struggle with that and it's so real. I think we tie up worthiness and worth, Mm. right? And so it has to Mm. be earned, right? And I don't know if that is taught. I'm a person of faith and it's very clear Mm. in the scriptures that we don't have to earn our worth. And yet there's also kind of a culture permeating like try harder, look more perfect, be more perfect, do more good, right? And so it's like there's this tension that exists even with that clarity. It's a comparison, I think. Yeah. And and I've I what I started doing a few years ago was thinking, okay, I love my kids no matter what. Mm-hmm. So if they're worth that, why am I not worth that? So I'd have to start looking at myself as I look at my children and think of myself as a child and think, did I do anything to not be worth the love I feel towards my children? Yeah. Or the- and so that's that's been one way I've done it. And and I do believe in God too. I'm a I'm a I'm a Christian and I started doing affirmations. This is what kind of changed for me is these affirmations weren't things I was saying about myself. They weren't, oh, I am a good mom because I think I'm a good mom. Or, you know, I am a strong person because I think I'm a strong person. I started saying it as if God was speaking to me instead. And so I'd start telling myself from God, I would picture God saying, you are a strong person. I would picture God saying, you are a good mother. And that slowly started to eat away at those negative voices in my head. And I call them my demons because they're always just chattering at me and telling me why I'm not worth love and why I'm not good enough and why I'm undeserving of friends and, you know, anything. Slowly started chipping away at those voices and replacing them with what God would say in my mind or whatever, you know, being you believe in or if you don't believe in anything, somebody that you look up to has been there for you. Picture them saying those things to you, like a Mrs. College. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can start, for me it, anyway, it started eating away at those those demons whispering all the time. I love that perspective so, so much. And it just gives me chills thinking and internalizing. Like, I, be- I believe those things. Like, I believe what God thinks about me and says about me. But do I like live that? Like, does it change mm-hmm. my countenance? Mm-hmm. Does it really impact how much I actually love myself? And and so I'm curious over the last year, I mean, I'm really surprised to hear you say just in the last year, this is, you've. I mean, yeah. h- how old are you right now? I'm 35. Okay, I'm 36. So we're in that mm-hmm. same ballpark. That's mm-hmm. a lot of years ingrained of the same demons talking to you and, yeah. and reiterating that hate and the opposite of love, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm curious how your motherhood, you have five kids now, how has your motherhood evolved? And how do you see yourself showing up differently for your kids and maybe modeling love differently? Or I don't know, has it changed over the past year or since you've done more of this intentional work towards looking inward, not just casting out that mm-hmm. love? You know what I mean? It, yeah, no, it definitely has. I I have a few kids that struggle with depression and struggle with anxiety, and it's been amazing to walk them through my process of how to get, because they always think it's their own voices telling them these things, but it's really not. And so it's teaching them not to listen to those other voices. 
and I do this thing. It sounds weird. It sounds hokey, but it works for me. I, I take my hand and I like pretend like I'm pulling something off my shoulder or my chest, like a piece of hair. And I just kind of let go of it. And I physically do that. And I have my kids do it so that they can physically get those demons off their shoulders and get rid of them. And it's like we give them to God and he just shoots them with light and they disappear. Mm-hmm. So doing something physical with them has been, has been helped them a ton too. And, and there's a song by Lauren Daigle called You Say. Yes, very, I love it. Song. Yes. And that's kind of the process of, of my talking to myself is you say all these things about me and I believe. And yeah. that's when I have to have that light moment of I'm going to choose to believe that you believe these things about me. Mm. And I have my kids do that too. We play, we play a lot of music in my house that is just super positive and super fun and remind you to be okay with who you are. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I love that visual of physically removing it. Um, mm. And you might need to remove the same thing multiple oh, yeah. times. Yeah. But I think helping your kids to realize that and – especially during this time of distance learning and being stressed out about are they getting their worksheets done and are they writing, are they reading enough? I really feel so wholeheartedly this is such an amazing opportunity to be in front of our kids a little bit more and model for them exactly what you're talking about, how to process hard times, hard things, disappointment, and how to make the most of things too, right? And so they're watching us and – as they're watching you struggle, and I don't know how much you've told them of your story, but really the, the backstory is kind of irrelevant. Just realizing like we all have challenges. We all have hard things and we can feel the sadness. We can grieve. We can be mad. But how can we health, find a healthy way to cope? Going back to you felt like you didn't have those coping mechanisms. What, what can you offer your kids as they're going through their own things? Because we can't incubate them. We just can't mm-hmm. as much as we want to. Yeah. yeah. Well, I had an I had a interesting situation with my, my five-year-old earlier this week, or six. I guess he's six now. He was feeling really overwhelmed and really triggered by something. And I don't know what it was, but I saw how overwhelming it was for him. And he had a meltdown, just a meltdown. And it triggered me, and I started having a panic attack along with him. And he started feeling bad that it was his fault, and he felt like he – I was worried he was going to feel like he couldn't come to me with things because he saw it was upsetting to me. And it was actually a really good teaching moment to be able to show him that I know how he feels, and I can help him learn how to deal with those. And we breathe together, and we do this together. Because my kids have seen me in my darkest times. Mm -hmm. You know, They've seen me really struggle. I have um, attempted suicide since having kids. Um, I I still had struggled with cutting until not that long ago. It comes back in flares, and I've felt, you know, different super intense things that they've seen me struggle with that and have watched me learn to cope with it. And we're I'm very open with my kids because I feel like I want them to – know why I do the things that I do and why I struggle with the things I struggle with and how I work through them so that they can learn that when they have things come up, they can learn to work through them and that life is hard. Life is hard. And it's just this roller coaster of emotions all the time and it can still be beautiful, hard, but beautiful. Yeah. Even in the middle of that messiness, even in the middle of the processing or the grieving or whatever it is, there still is beauty there if we just 
look, 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 yep. look. Mm. Yep, my, look for it. Yep. Yeah, my goodness. You guys, I know you're loving Elizabeth's story and we're going to keep going, but I did want to thank another show sponsor that makes this show possible, and that is Oak Dental. Oak Dental actually stands for O-O-A-K, one of a kind, and that is what they are for dental toothbrushes and flossers. Oak Dental has created, with the help of dental hygienists, a toothbrush with a V-shape tapered bristle to conform to the shape of your teeth which allows the outer bristles to actually stimulate the gum line. And dental hygienists comment that that is what people are missing out on. They teach people to turn their toothbrush at a 45 degree angle, but either people are not able to do that very easily or they just straight up forget. And so especially for people with special needs, dexterity challenges, the elderly and kids, and even people like me who don't brush properly, Oak Dental's toothbrushes are so fantastic and I've noticed a big difference since using their brushes with my kids. It is so cool because this is a patented design, BPA free, and they just want to help you to have a better brushing experience. I also love their flossers, and you might think, well, flossers are boring, but no, 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 no. They have two different types, their three-in-one floss pick brush and the oral-in-one flosser that is so cool because it has this fold-out pick brush. So not only are you flossing with double reinforced flossing floss, <laughs> but you also have this really cool pick flosser if you have something really stuck in your teeth. They are also individually packaged, and so you can throw them in your purse when you're on the go and you will never have a problem with sanitation. So to purchase Oak Dental supplies, toothbrushes, and flossers, you can go to amazon.com and look up O-O-A-K Dental and check out their flossers and their toothbrushes now. So thanks so much to Oak Dental for sponsoring the show. Now let's keep it up with Elizabeth. So where does your son fall in your lineup? Was he your first or no? Yes, I have two boys, then a girl, then two more boys. Okay. So you said that you had to separate from your family and be done with that chapter and everything like that. And as a people pleaser myself, <laughs> I'm wondering, and because I know there's a lot of people pleasers listening and people that don't make the hard decisions because of just the risk of disappointment and even people that have hurt us so badly. Yeah. Yeah. Why is it so hard to release that? So I'm curious what you would say to people that – you know, either are trying to create better boundaries and or cut people, toxic people out entirely. What would you say to people who are in that kind of situation? For us, I didn't realize how unhappy we were being in their life. I thought I thought I could figure out how to balance it and thought I needed those relationships. And it hasn't been until years later that I realized I'm the happiest I've ever, ever been since cutting off those toxic, unsafe oh unhealthy relationships. And I cut everybody out of my life, everybody from my past, because at the time I wasn't even sure who was safe and who wasn't, you know, and I didn't talk to any of my siblings. I didn't talk to my parents and I cut off any friends that I had at the time and just started over. And it was the hardest thing I probably have ever done, but it has been the best thing I have ever done. Mm -hmm. And it's scary and hard, but so worth getting out of those toxic relationships. So worth it in the end. Yeah, absolutely. Also for people listening, I'm sure they're wanting advice on how to keep their kids safe too. I mean, we have to be more vigilant than ever it feels like to protect our kids and keep them from situations that could be potentially harmful. But I mean, it is shocking how much abuse happens 
from people that you do know, that are yeah. family friends, that are neighbors, people that you quote unquote trust. My husband is a lawyer and he was a victim's legal counsel for victims of sexual abuse in the military. And mm. he's just like, you would not believe like how young how trusting, how, you know, all those things. Like none of the stigma, I mean, some of the stigma applies, but a lot of the times you had a picture perfect family. So I don't know, what are some of your rules in your family going forward? Like, do you do sleepovers or what kinds of questions do you ask if they're going to go for a play date? Like, do you have certain things that you kind of follow for your children? Yes, we don't let them go very many places Mm -hmm. without us, but... We also, it's a hard line and a hard balance to find because you do need to let your kids experience life to some degree and be able to have friends and not be just a helicopter parent all the time. That does them a disservice in learning how to have relationships with other people. So it's a really hard balance to find with my kids and I just really try hard to keep open communication with them and explain why we have the rules that we do and I know that they hate me for it and I'm sorry but I love them too much to let them go somewhere that I just for no reason feel uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. We try to talk about things a lot. And as far as their friends go and things like that, I, you know, as far as protecting other children, the biggest thing I can say is to just be that safe person for somebody. That's what kept me going my entire childhood was, was the teachers, was the friends' moms that loved me and cared about me because I wasn't in a place to be able to share my story then. I would not have been safe to be able to share my story with them then. So it's not, if somebody isn't sharing their story with you, it's not because you're not there for them and not loving them. It's because they are just unsafe to do it. But being that safe place for kids is priceless to them, priceless to them. So just be a safe place for them is my biggest piece of advice. Yeah, that is, that's a great response. And I think when it comes to having hard conversations with our kids and everything, you know, a lot of people feel like the teenage years are so hard because there's such hard issues they're facing and things. But when you start conversations young and start that open communication and that trust and that rapport early, and you can do it with their friends too, having group conversations about, hey, what are you noticing at school? And, you know, what are your rules for your phone? And what do you think? And when that starts younger, the big things that come with being a teenager, they're already willing to come to you because you've already built up that trust. And so I don't think we can underestimate yeah. how early we can start building that with them. Yeah, yep, I agree. And you have that 13-year-old. So, yeah, you're on you're on the cusp of that. <laughs> I am, and I am not perfect at it. I tell my kids all the time, I'm like, you're going to need therapy for something that I did on accident that – I didn't realize was damaging your mental health yes. somehow. I will help pay for it. And as long as you know I did it out of, I did my very best and I love you, then we can get through it. But I'm telling you right now, you'll probably need therapy because every healthy person I think should go to therapy. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I have an episode called Why I Go to Therapy, right? And and I, and that kind of comes back to my next question of like, some people compare their life story or their trauma or their challenges to somebody else and think oh well they have it way harder Elizabeth's story like I can see why that was such an uphill battle for her but like nothing really bad happened to me so why do I feel a lack of self-love why do I feel you know Mm -hmm. like I'm ill-equipped to cope with certain things why do I feel Mm -hmm. like I need therapy but I don't think it's bad enough so I'm not gonna go what would you say about that you know kind of comparison 
you know, I get compared to a lot. Sure. And it's, it's something that is really, it's something I don't like because we all go through different things and we all feel those same emotions going through different things. So comparing how we feel and that's what I want people to do more than anything is just relate to each other on the feelings. Like, okay, we both feel sad. Let's be there for each other because we both feel depressed. Let's be there for each other because we know what it feels like to feel unloved. Let's mm. not go into the reasons why, but let's just band together because we understand each other through those feelings. Be there for each other because we understand those feelings. Not because what we went through is the same. Nobody's going to go through the same thing. I had a sister-in-law that lost a child and friends that have lost children. And to me, that is the worst thing a person can go through in this entire life. I would go through everything I went through again, not to have to go through that. Hmm. And so we, we all go through so many different things, but coming together on, on the emotions of it is what I would love for just people to do. It doesn't matter why you feel that way. I mean, it, it does. I don't want it to sound like it doesn't matter, but but it doesn't at the same time. I know that's contradictory, but let's just be there for each other because we know what hurt feels like and rejoice with each other because we know what being strong feels like. Just be there for each other because we love each other. Yeah, I think the shame component of some challenges is what really holds us back from doing what you're saying. Like when yeah. it's something like a lot, something we didn't like bring on ourselves or was just circumstantial or done to us or something. It's kind of like we get more sympathy for that. Mm -hmm. And we may even give more sympathy or show up more for people that have a more outward struggle that's more socially acceptable. Not that Mm -hmm. that's right by any means, but I think sadly that is what happens. And so for people that are carrying around a shame that is secretive or shame like oh there you go shameful but like an affair or just something that they feel like other people can't possibly understand and I don't know I just feel so so sad for that weight that they carry because they don't need to because they could come together in those common emotions and so but I see so much more conversation happening especially lately about sharing our stories and validating one another and having compassion and grace for yeah. one another. Are you seeing that as well? Yeah, I am, especially in these times where we're all just kind of trapped in the same boat, kind of. Yeah. But at the same time, I have cried many nights over the kids that felt the safest at school, and now they are yes, stuck Elizabeth, at home. I you know. know. What do we do for those kids? We just pray for them. Okay, yeah. We just pray for them, and we just I, – I wish there was an answer. I've been through a lot, and I don't have – there's – a lot I don't know how to fix and there's a lot that I don't know how to help people with and I know that a lot of this is easier said than done as far as you know carrying the weight of guilt and shame and things like that but you have to try there's not anything that will get better if you're not trying and as people we need to try to be more unconditional loving no matter what Yeah. no matter what and it does come back to just being a loving, safe person. And I know that's hard in quarantine, but even if you have relationships with your your kids' friends or whatever, you can shoot them a text. Say, oh, yeah. I miss seeing you around our house. I miss walking home from school together. How are you? You know, in, yeah. in a very, you know, platonic, safe way that's appropriate, but just continuing snail mail, putting something right. in the mailbox and 
having that kid go to the mailbox and be like, I was thought about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and there may be stories that have never been unearthed before that we have no idea about. But it is just like who's in your circle, who's in your sphere of influence that you can just show up for in a loving way. And it, it's not going to be perfect, but doing something is better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be very, very small. So you have definitely turned your pain and your story into a purpose that is really driving your life and is now a business that is empowering and inspiring so many others. Will you tell me about Hero Bands? I would love to. I So Hero Bands started four years ago, almost in a couple months. It'll be four years. And I just would wear these bracelets that I found at a craft fair and they had inspiring words on them like peace and strong. And I remember the first time I got some, I thought, you know what? I don't feel like I'm strong, but I know I want to. So I'm going to buy it and I'm going to, you know, see if it makes me feel any better. So I started collecting all these words and I started feeling better. I started feeling more peace and stronger and I felt God more and I felt a little bit of love in there too. And I just started collecting and collecting. So my husband bought me my first set of tools to start making my own because I was definitely overspending in the <laughs> bracelet department. So I started making them and, and as I healed, I started having people come into my path that were hurting. They didn't even know my story. I hadn't shared my story and I hadn't opened up publicly, publicly at all about it, but they would share a piece of their life with me and it was heavy and it was hard and I would just kind of glance down at my wrist and see what I was wearing, and I'd see that I was wearing something that I felt like they needed more than I did. And so I would take it off and tell them how it had helped me and and was hopeful that it could help them just get through the next day, the next half an hour, the next week, whatever it was that they needed to get through. And they would let me know how much it helped them. So I decided this was how I was going to start sharing my story, was trying to help people that were hurting so everything fell into place so quickly. Starting a business and running a business is hard, and my respect for people that have done that has gone way up. But I am just so grateful that this opportunity has has come and been able to give back. I, I donate um, what I call safe bands to Operation Underground Railroad, and they're a charity that rescues kids from trafficking, like me. And I sell them at my cost and I put your initials on them so these kids get these bracelets from a stranger. And it's sometimes the first thing they ever own in their life that belongs to them. And they just rub rub these words and they just know somebody loves them and cares about them. And just knowing I can do some good somewhere and help ease somebody's aching heart has brought me more than I could have ever imagined with this company. I'm just I'm just blown away by the stories I've gotten and the hearts that have been helped because of it. So I'm just, I'm just so grateful. That is tremendous. And I mean, would you have ever dreamed that the source of your pain for all those years would be a catalyst to this, this venture that is now just ripple affecting across the world now? Yeah, not in a million years. No. I never, I would never have thought I would share my story. Sure. With anybody, much less the internet. And yeah, it's been a huge, huge blessing. I actually named it Hero Bands after the heroes in my life that were there for me when, when I was little. Wow. Does Mrs. College know her impact on you? 
She does. She Good. came to town not long ago, a couple years ago, I guess now, but she brought her family to Disneyland, and I, I don't even remember how I heard she was here, but I, I asked her if I could come meet her, and she left the park to come meet meet me and my kids, and when we saw each other, we just and, and just hugged and cried, and she met my kids and held my baby. Sorry, I always get emotional when I talk about her because I would not be sitting here if it weren't for her. We've gotten um, closer again ever since. She just retired from teaching. This is her first year in oh. retirement, so she taught for so many years, and and I got to surprise her and go go back to because I grew up in Utah um, and visit her and surprise her then. So we do stay in touch a little bit now, and wow. she is still just one of my heroes and changing lives all the time. Hi, Mrs. College. My fifth grade teacher was instrumental in my life, Mrs. Carter. And she made me want to become a teacher. And I did become an elementary school teacher because of Mrs. Carter. Teachers have such a tremendous responsibility and power. I mean, it's just... They do. Ugh. I just love teachers so, so much. And that's why, I I mean, I'm even more, I mean, it's hard having the kids home and having the norm disrupted, but I'm mostly sad because they have great teachers this year. And so to see them not be able to finish out their year with their great teachers that were just working so well with them, Mm -hmm. I could just cry right on the spot because it's just, oh, it's, it's amazing. So what do you, I don't know, what's your vision for Hero Bands? Where, what's it going to look like in five, 10 years? Do you have a vision? It's always changing. I need some help. I need <laughs> to figure out how to get some help with the business. I am. I have no idea what I'm doing. I didn't ever go to business school, so I'm at the point that I definitely need some help. I am actually hoping to do some more public speaking and things like that to bring more awareness just to, just to trafficking. I just want to bring hope to people, and I feel like I'm in a place that I can can make a difference and be there for a lot of people. And so I want to figure out a way to get, get out there more. So those are kind of my next steps, but how to get there. I'm not sure. I'm just starting the process of figuring that out. Step by step. Oh, congratulations, Elizabeth, for all you've achieved both professionally and personally. It is, it is hard to unearth the tough stuff. Yeah. And to sit with that and to be brave and face it in a way that you can genuinely say most days you love yourself or some most moments, <laughs> right? And yeah. props, major props Thank to you. you. Congratulations. You. That's, that's a, that's the best accomplishment I think you can have. And then it's the best gift you can give your kids when you're serving and loving them from a well that's full. And yes, whole, I agree. Right. Oh, so good. Okay, so where can people buy the bands? Where can people find you? All the things. The bracelets are, I also do keychains for people that don't have bracelets because I feel like words are so powerful. Yes. And I know there's people that don't wear bracelets. They're, you know, so I I have keychains also. And they are at Mm herobands.com. And then on social media, it's herobands on Facebook and hero underscore bands on Instagram. We will link that all at extraordinarymomspodcast.com because I know everyone is going to want to pick one up for them, for their friend. I mean, that would, that would be such a great gift to send somebody right now who's, yeah. who's yeah. lonely or struggling, or even if they're not, but just I, an I see you gift. I, I'm thinking of you gift. Send that and let that appear in somebody's mailbox and let the tears ensue. <laughs> yes, I love that's it. true. So that good. true. Elizabeth, I always ask my guests just one final question, and it's this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? It's going to be okay. 
going to be okay. I still tell myself that. So even post-motherhood, but pre-motherhood is probably the biggest thing is it's going to be okay. Yeah. Did you ever dream you'd be where you are right this moment? Never. My life is better than I ever pictured as a kid. And I pictured everything. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for your vulnerability and sharing your story and I hope that people connect on an emotional level while many most of us listening have not walked the path that you have walked that is so extreme and heart-wrenching the emotions that we feel with our own challenges and everything I hope we can connect on that level and be a little bit more inspired um, today thank you thank you for having me on it's it's an honor to be able to be on things like this so thank you so much thank Jessica you, Elizabeth good luck Wow, how amazing is Elizabeth? I told you it'd be good. Elizabeth is so extraordinary in so many ways, and I'm so grateful for her being willing to share her story. While I would venture to say that her background differs quite a bit from yours, I know it does from mine, I hope, as she said, that we can connect on the emotional experiences we've had in our lives from our own challenges. And I encourage you to be brave, to face those things that maybe you've buried beneath the surface that you haven't wanted to unearth. But as you can see, after 34 years for her of struggling with loving herself, in her 34th, 35th year, she's coming into her own and she's going to have a lifetime left to love and show up fully as herself without shame and without any type of doubt what her life is truly worth. So I hope that you will reach out to Elizabeth, get a hero band for yourself or for a friend. What an incredible company that she has started from her pain, but now she's going on to inspire and encourage hope in so many people. So check out Hero Bands. Everything will be linked over to ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. If you don't already follow me, you can do that on Instagram at JessicaDalkwas3 or on Facebook at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast. Also, as she said, her bands also benefit Operation Underground Railroad, which is an organization that helps to end sex trafficking. They go on incredible missions to save children out of uh, slavery and trafficking. And it is an extraordinary organization that I'll link to as well on the website in case you're interested in getting involved with that as well. So thanks for tuning in today, everybody. Stay well, and I will see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.